Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. I've started a new series today called My Favorite Passages. When you've been teaching the Word as long as I have, Bill, I was led by the Lord to go back and start rebuilding the foundations. And after uh, all these years of ministering the Word, the first passage the Lord led me to was James 1. Back in the early 1970s, Dean and I were just marrying. I was out in seminary, and we would have, during the summer, a home there owned by a former professional football player for the Green Bay Packers living there in Highland Park section of Dallas. And they would open their home. And high school and college age kids, we would have a hundred people in that home regularly. So this was a fairly large home. And I remember that the Lord led me to teach on the book of James, verse by verse. And you would think that high school and college age kids would want entertainment so badly they wouldn't be attracted to that. But many of us have lived through what we now call the Jesus movement in the 70s. There was an amazing and mighty sweep of the Holy Spirit across this land. It was amazing how the Lord used His mighty Word. And I want you to know that at this age and stage, the fourth quarter of my life in ministry, I am just as encouraged, just as hopeful, and just as confident that the young people in this nation are going to rise up and take the rain. Look, at, look back there on the back here. We call that our nursery and children's, and we got people all. If you're, if you're 40 or... Uh, under, stand up. We have at least 40, sometimes 50% of our congregation, you know, people think, well, that's just an old folks. No. And I'll tell you, we believe in you. We have great confidence that the Lord is doing a mighty work in you. Amen? Lord, we ask by your Spirit that you would anoint your servant in your word. We pray you would do that which you so desire to do, the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the time of worship today in Jesus' name. Amen. James 1 is where we are. Would you join with me in thanking Deborah Gillum for leading our praise team today and to getting all these 
We thank you for the wonderful job. Every Sunday she prepares the overheads for our direction and how grateful we are for you, Deborah. Thank you. In James chapter 1, we see James introduce himself in this letter. He calls himself a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that interesting? If you read the Gospels, you will find out that James was one of the brothers of Jesus who came to Jesus one time during his ministry and tried to get him out of town. He wanted to establish distance between himself and Jesus. And the scriptures say, for even his brothers did not believe him. James, of course, was the half-brother of Jesus. They had the same mother, but did not have the same father. Remember, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and James was conceived by Joseph. He says to the twelve tribes who were scattered abroad, that is, to all believers under the covenant of God who've now been scattered all over what was then known as the Roman Empire. You've been watching the, the show A.D. Regardless of what you think about it, there is obvious a scattering of the people of God there after Pentecost and the church beginning to grow. 3,000 saved in the streets on one day. And it was mighty and persecution had come mightily to Jerusalem. And believers were spread all over the place. So I want you to know in the context what is going on. In the context, many believers had lost the security of the familiar. They had to leave where they worked, where they lived. Just suddenly with all the persecution and scattering, they left that which was their roots. Many of them were going through their families being torn apart. How many of you know sometimes that the testimony of Jesus doesn't always bring families together. Sometimes those who are obeying the Lord bring a sword into family unity. So a lot of these people were going through not only the disruption of that which was familiar, their, their families, their jobs, they were going through family crisis. They were going through instability. They lost their jobs. Many of them were absolutely broke. If you read the account of the book of Acts and the early believers there in Jerusalem, you will find that many of them had to have assistance from other believers. So their families were falling apart, they were broke, they had lost their jobs, they had moved away from everything secure and stable in their life, and James writes, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, my brethren, count it all joy, not if, but when you fall into various trials. Not if, but when. And notice... He says it's inevitable you're going to fall into various trials. The word various there means multicolored. They don't always look the same. It might be relational. It might be financial. It might be physical. It, it might be um, emotional. Whatever it is, trials hit all of us. 
The word for trial there in the Greek is pyrosmos. It means that which places enormous pressure on the individual. What do you have today that places enormous pressure on you? Is it relationships or the lack thereof? Is it finances? Is it physical conditions? Is it relational breakup? What is it? All of us have pyrosmos, those intense trials that sometimes never seem to go away. And the Word of God says, count it all joy. Now let's see what that doesn't mean and what it does mean. The word joy is not some emotional giddy outbreak. The Word is not telling us that when your life is caving in, just hop, skip, and do a few praise the Lord's and everything will be all right. Joy is deeper than that. It is not an emotion. See, joy doesn't come from your soul. Joy comes out of your spirit. Where the Holy Spirit has been deposited in your life, there is joy there. Galatians 5.22 says, For the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy. Now wait a minute now. Are you a believer? So joy is already on the inside of you. Joy is not on the outside. All joy on the outside is subject to change and leave. Circumstances are constantly changing. Joy is on the inside. It is a calm assurance that God is in control and He is in you. Joy is an inner stability. It is a sense of well-being that flows out of your spirit, man. So you're not going to be able to connect with joy until you connect with your spirit. And that comes through worship, through prayer, through the Word of God through fellowship with the saints, through the encouragement that is in the Lord. It has to come out of your spirit. You can't work it up in your emotion and make it last. I have a diversion that I enjoy. I enjoy televised sports, especially college football. But you know what? There are certain times when I don't get as much enjoyment out of that as I do at other times. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Enjoyment has nothing to do with joy. There are some things I don't enjoy when my favorite team doesn't do so well, but it does not rob my joy whatsoever. Amen. That is not up for grabs. Joy is deep in your spirit, man. And all the circumstances that you see in your life with your children, your grandchildren, your work, your money, your health, those are subject to change. There is something unshakable on the inside of you, given to you as a gift. The Holy Spirit has given you a joy, a sense of well-being on the inside of you. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And James says, count it all joy. That is, put it in the category of joy. On the surface, it is not 
a carrier of joy, but whatever circumstances you're in, learn to put it in the category of joy, and you can only do that if you read verse 3. <laughs> you can only do that if you know something. See, if you're thinking you may be destroyed or this may not turn out well, if you're thinking that you're going to be, you know, you're going down after all, you're not going to be able to connect with joy because how many of you know that to connect with something that's in your spirit requires faith? Consider it joy. Put it in the column of joy knowing deeply. Knowing doesn't mean to have intellectual assent. It means that you intimately know on the inside of you that the testing of your faith develops patience. The word, therefore, produce is better translated developed. It's the Greek word kater gazatai. It means to work out. Now, why would it say that? Because you already have joy in your reborn human spirit. Trials have the capacity to work out that which is already in there. You don't go to the gym and hope you'll get some muscles. You go to the gym to work out and develop those muscles. Trials give us the opportunity. Testing gives us the opportunity. The, what is a test? It is the application of pressure on a circumstance, on anything. The application of pressure. You're going to have the application of pressure on your joy. Everything on the inside of you is going to have the application of pressure from the outside. It may be through somebody who's lying about you or trying to do you in. It may be from the devil himself. It may be from your own flesh. But every good thing that's been deposited in your inner man by the Holy Spirit is going to have the application of pressure from the outside. And James says, Count it joy when that happens, knowing that the application of pressure, the testing of your faith develops patience. Patience. Wow. Why is patience such a big deal to God? Can I tell you all something? I, in my flesh... I am capable of any sin out there. I'm capable of any sin out there in my flesh. And guess what? You are too. Don't be self-righteous and think, well, that could never happen to me. Your flesh is not getting any better. It is how it, you have to make sure it's crucified daily by faith in what Jesus did in the cross, at the cross for you. My flesh is not getting any better, but I got to tell you that today, I don't have issues with, I've been faithful to that woman for almost 44 years. That's the length of our marriage. I don't have an issue with addiction or pornography or drugs or any of that stuff, but I have an incredible battle with patience. Every day. I mean, it whips me over and over and over. And I can see by your response, you get it. You, you understand. That's the first time you've said amen in 44 years. <laughs> Dear Jesus, we're making progress. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Who is this woman? <laughs> Woo. <laughs> ah, you just don't know how funny that is. <laughs> Every single day of my life, the application of pressure as it relates to some matter of patience just hits me right in the face. Well, what does the Lord say to me in my struggle? Count it all joy when you encounter this testing of your faith, because that's really what it is. Because, what, Pastor, why would your struggle with patience be such a struggle of faith? What does that have to do with faith? See, I get aggravated and out of fellowship with the Spirit when I don't really believe what the Word says is the truth. Let me give you an example. The Word of God says, that God Almighty is sovereign and His Spirit moves across the face of this universe and not a sparrow falls across the entire universe, but that He knows and cares. Yes or no? So if He knows every little bird in your yard and those multiplied trillions across the face of the universe, don't you think He knows who was going to get in front of you on 280 and go 25? Wouldn't that make sense? Don't you think he would know that somebody is going to come into your day, into your world, that really challenges and puts a test on your patience? So if I don't believe that, I'm going to respond wrong. And here's the heart of the deal. 1 John 4 says, God is love. Yes or no? God is what? God is what? Do you know that that word is agape? And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the scripture describes the love of God. And the first thing it says is love is patient. So I have to confess before the Lord, I'm not walking in love today, Lord. And that grieves the essence of your character. See, it is a big deal for me to operate in patience because when I don't, I'm grieving the essence of the character of God. Well, that's not as serious as God not judging on the curve, folks. That's not as serious as this, 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 and this. Are you kidding me? To grieve the love of God is serious. And so I need to be serious about that struggle with patience that I have because it is the outflow of the love of God. Amen? So y'all pray for me. The testing of your faith develops patience, but let patience. Why would the word say let patience have its perfect result if patience didn't already exist inside the believer? It's in your spirit. Let patience. 
To let patience means that you allow by faith for the patience that's been placed on the inside of you to be developed from the outside of you by the work of the Holy Spirit. That you don't jump in there and try to manage and overcome your circumstances by your own control. Can I ask you something? If you resolve something, but you don't ever learn more of the love of God, what have you done? If you see a victory, if you see some relief, but you don't grow in the love of God, what have you done? The love of God. The grace of God. That, oh God, give us greater revelation. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be complete. The word there for perfect has to do with maturity, full grown, lacking nothing. Oh boy. If this is so important that if I, my faith Partners with patience. Can I tell you something? If your faith can ever partner with patience, you will be full grown and perfectly mature. Patience flowing out of the love of God. If your faith can ever partner with patience, you've got something. Let this Be a, a perfect work working in you. In other words, you know what that means? Are y'all listening to me? It means don't jump out and try to fix things in your own fleshly efforts. You will make a mess. There is a difference between being diligent in your work and what God has assigned you to do and doing all that you should do. Not all you could do. God didn't tell you to do all you can do. Told you to do all you should do. Being led by the Spirit of God. Fulfill that ministry God has given you. What is the ministry God has given you? Work on it. Invest in it. Get up every day thinking, God, you've given me this ministry. Now show me what you want me to do. In the absence of somebody saying, do this for me, what do you want me to do today, Lord? Just whatever little thing it is. I will obey. Understand this. That it's not what you can do, it's what you should do. And what you should do is to obey the Lord and be diligent in that which He has given you to do. What if I don't know what I'm to do? Pray and seek. Ask others of like mind that you believe and trust to invest with you. In prayer and counsel. But recognize that something deeper is being developed on the inside of you. Are you listening? Something deeper is being developed on the inside of you than your own personal enjoyment. Something deeper is being developed on the inside of you than money. Something deeper is being developed on the inside of you than physical health. Something deeper is being developed on the inside of you. It's being transformed into the image and likeness of God and into the love of God that's being poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You can do without some of these other things. You can't do without that which God is doing 
on the inside of you when there is great pressure being applied from the outside. Count it all joy. Invest on the inside. Now, does that mean that you should just embrace adversity? Because sometimes the things that come upon you from the outside have their origin in the devil and evil men. That's why verse 5 is there. Are you with me? If any of you lacks wisdom, I've said this for many years. Remember, I'm preaching on my favorite passages. If any of you lacks wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is a top-down view. Wisdom is the ability to see things the way God sees them. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him do what? Read all the books you can. Ask God. Is he the source of wisdom? Does he see everything and know all? Does he know everything there is to know about your business? Does he know everything there is to know about you, the inner workings of your body? Does he know everything there is to know in the light about the relationships that give you pain? Ask for wisdom. It's kind of amazing, the older I get, the more I cry out for wisdom and the more I see I need it. How desperate I am for it. Wisdom. But notice what will happen if you will ask for wisdom. He will give it to you freely and liberally and without reproach. The word there, reproach, means without finding fault, and it will be given to him. It will be. What a fabulous promise that is. If you ask for wisdom, he says he will give it to you without finding fault. You know what that means? That means when I say, Lord... I ask you in faith for the wisdom that flows from you. God is not going to say, well, what about what you did yesterday that wasn't pleasing to me? God is not going to say, well, what about what you did 15 years ago that I wasn't pleased with? Can I tell you something? If you will cry out for wisdom, God is divinely attracted to you like a magnet, and he will not start bringing up your faults if you'll ask for wisdom. Isn't that a good promise, Edric? That is an awesome promise. What a promise. Well, pastor, every time I pray and I'm intense about it, I begin to see all my faults right before my eyes. Well, guess who's bringing that up? The Word says that the enemy, the devil, is an accuser of the brethren. You won't find any passage in the New Testament where Jesus condemned anybody. All this condemnation and shame doesn't come from the Lord. Ask for wisdom, and he will, not, he will not give you reproach. He won't bring up past faults. In fact, do you know what Hebrews says? Hebrews says, as far as the east is from the west, God, if you're in new covenant with God, he has forgotten our sins and trespasses. So why would you want to bring it up? 
But let him, verse 6, ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And don't let that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded, unstable man in all his ways. Is faith important to God? Let him ask in faith. Well, now I want you to understand that doubt is not something you think. Doubt is not something you feel. This is important. Doubt is something you do. Doubt is not a thought or a feeling. People say, well, I have these doubts in my mind. Just go ahead and obey and you'll break the chains of those doubts. Doubt is not a thought or an emotion. Doubt is actions, decisions. You can have doubts floating around in your mind, but choose to believe the Word of God in your spirit, man, and act in obedience by the grace of God and go on to victory. Doubt is something you do, so notice verse 6. If you want wisdom, ask God, but ask in faith. How does faith come? Everybody say it together. Faith comes by and hearing by what? Well, now, what did you just read in verse 6? Is that the Word of God or not? Is it? So if this is the Word of God, and we know it is, the Word says, ask in faith. You will receive wisdom. Look back at verse 5. Ask God, He will give it to you without finding fault. So do we have the word that if you ask for God's perspective, He will give it? So if the word, if faith comes by hearing the word, and the word is already right there for you, why don't you just do what I'm asking you to do right now? Everybody stand up right where you are. Say it with me as an act of your will. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, I hereby declare that I believe your word. And your word tells me that if I will ask you for your wisdom, you will give it to me without finding fault. So hereby, this day, on the basis of your word, I ask for and by faith, I receive the wisdom of God. I believe that as your spirit and your word counsels me that I will begin to develop a top-down view of the circumstances of my life. Show me what you want me to see in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I'll show you something else. Joe, help me here for a minute. Joe, just stand right where you are. Close that door right there. I'm not locking you in. Okay. Joe, step up there on the platform. Ray, what would I do without you? 
Wisdom is that top-down view, the ability to see things as God sees them. Right? All right. What's this? Can you all see me? You're going to need a partner to that wisdom. Thank you. It's called discernment. Discernment is the ability to see behind the door. Every one of us desperately needs discernment. The ability to see what is behind the door. And to take the necessary steps to believe and trust God and to walk in obedience. Because let me tell you something, there is nothing behind that door that has authority over you. The devil is under your feet. The future is in God's hands. Stop speaking with your mouth the fears and anxieties of what you think or fear or believe even is going to take place that is out of line with the word and the will of God. This is a discipline that has to be invested in day by day. But if you haven't been investing in the discipline of counting all pressure, joy, knowing that it's developing you on the inside, preparing you for greater blessing and greater ministry in wherever he's assigned you, if you are not asking for wisdom, if you are not asking for wisdom's companion, discernment, do so today, and God promises He will begin to work that on the inside of you. It is a process for us to accumulate all the mistaken thoughts and actions. I, I pray for the I ask the Lord all the time at this stage in my life, show me any lie I'm believing. Show me anything that doesn't line up with the truth. You say, Pastor, I'm not capable of believing lies as long as you have skin on you are. It is an ongoing process of light coming into dark places. Of how to learn to live and walk by the Spirit of God and wisdom and discernment. Let's bow our heads together. Would you just settle this thing today? That all this pressure that you're under, multifaceted, various, that your God is greater than all of it. Would you settle it in your mind and heart today as an act of your will? I believe and stand on the Word of God. Something's being developed. If I don't have a quick deliverance, I'm getting a deep development. And I want to tell you, deep development's better than quick deliverance. It's not as much fun. It's not as exciting. But over the long haul, it bears more fruit.
Father, I ask that you would deposit by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through any instrument you've chosen, divine wisdom. We've asked for it in faith, and by faith we believe we have received. We cry out for wisdom's companion, discernment. We thank you that there's nothing lurking in our tomorrows that you haven't already seen, and that your light will dispel that darkness, and that you are the victory. In every circumstance and situation, we declare that you're our King and our God. How we bless you today, Lord. Go with God. He's going with you. I'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.